Shalom. This is Ron Warren with the Torah Life Ministries. Today's podcast discusses how we live a persistent and relentless life, part three. It answers the question, how do we rule in life in the Messiah? And it also covers our new landlord and God's take-back plan. In the last podcast, we gave a God-given principle. God has given you and I a relentless spirit. We also gave the meaning of relentless and explained that the believer is committed to God no matter what the adversity. Now, this podcast covers the ruling in life with a persistent and that relentless spirit. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it reads, For the word of God is a living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Now, if we were to read the Word of God exactly as it is, most of us would be dramatically different from what we are. Our greatest challenge is to believe His Word over our existing conditions. Your circumstances are not final. The only thing that never changes is the Word of God. In Luke chapter 21, verse 33, it reads, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. And you can also pick it up in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12. It reads, Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. He is ready, but when will he perform it? When someone believes him. You and I, we, are to rule in life. Now, I'm not just saying that. Romans chapter 5, verse 17 reads, All who receive God's abundant grace and are freely put right with Him will rule in life through the Messiah. Look at the phrase, rule in life. You know, the Weymouth commentary uses reigns as kings in life. Now, these words are not man's words. And that can be proven by 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, which reads, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. God is stating that we will rule in life through the power of the Messiah. He did not say, You will rule in heaven someday. Nor did He say, you will rule in the next life. You know, one definition of a king or a queen is one that is supreme or preeminent in a particular influence. Life on this earth is not to suppress it. We are to govern it. And we a lot of times use what is known as a default statement, and that the statement is, God is in control. Now, that statement is true, but it is God who gets and puts us in control. I didn't say this. Psalm 115, verse 16 reads, The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of men. You'll find that in the Amplified Bible. 
But let's take a look in the Message Bible. Same verse. The heaven of heavens is for the Lord, but he puts us in charge of the earth. God made a sovereign choice to give man rulership over the earth and how the affairs are to be run on it. Now, if God had retained control of the earth, as many believe, then when Adam began shifting and lifting the forbidden fruit towards his mouth, God would have intervened. But God did not hold back Adam. Why? Because he gave the earth to mankind. In Romans chapter 11, verse 29, it reads in the God News Bible, God never changes his mind when he gives gifts or when he calls someone. Someone may have come back with Psalm 24, verse 1, which reads, The world and all that is in it belong to the Lord. The earth and all who live in it are his. That's from the Good News Bible. But let me give you an example, and it's called the landlord. God is the landlord over the earth, but we live in that earth, and we, we occupy that earth, and we do what is necessary in the earth, but God is still the landlord. Now, I didn't say that. In the, in the uh, Tree Life Bible version of Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, 27 and 28, it reads, God created human beings, making them to be like himself. He created them male and female, blessed them, and said, Have many children, so that your descendants will live all over the earth and bring it under their control. I am putting you in charge. Now, the problem we have is we got a new landlord. A huge problem came up in the Garden of Eden when the devil entered a serpent's body and convinced Adam and Eve to disobey God's word. We gave ourselves over to a new landlord, Satan. Now, this quantum shift explains the encounter that came later between Satan and Yeshua. In the Amplified Bible of Luke chapter 4, verse 6, it reads, to you I will give all, Satan is talking, to you I will give all of this power and authority and their glory, all of their magnificence, excellence, preeminence, deity, and grace, for it has been turned over to me, and I give it to whomever I will. That is Satan talking. Now, when was it turned over? It was turned over by Adam in the Garden of Eden. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 in the Amplified Bible, it reads, We know positively that we are of God, and the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. But God has a take-back plan. God desired to get back into the hands of mankind. Now, he could not come in the form of deity and just snatch it back. Why? God cannot retract the authority he gave, and, he, and Adam had officially relinquished it. A man lost it, so a man would have to restore it. This is why Yeshua had to come as the Son of Man, born of a woman, 100% man, fathered by the Holy Spirit, or the Ruach HaKodesh, 100% God. In the Message Bible, of Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, it reads, 
And when the time came, he, Yeshua, set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a man and became human. What that is saying is that even though he is God, he set aside his deity and walked the earth as a man. And in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it reads, Having put off from himself the principalities and the powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Yeshua now alone possesses the authority that Adam relinquished. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it reads, Yeshua draw near and said to them, I have given all authority in heaven and on earth. And one day he's going to return. And he's going to restore all of nature as it was before the fall of Adam. In the Amplified Bible of Romans chapter 8, verse 20 to 21, it reads, For the creation, or the nature, was subjected to fility, which means to fility or condemned to frustration, not because of some intentional fault on its part, but will be set free from its bondage to, to decay and corruption and gain an entrance into the glorious freedom of God's children. Nature at this, same, at this time is still subject to frailty. Our physical bodies grow old and die. They still do. But this forces a question. Who is the Messiah? This question is where an unrenewed mind once again steals from the children of God. Now, what many people think is that the word Christ is his last name. It is not. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, it reads, in the English version, For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers. Now, in, Pro, in John chapter 17 and 20 to 21 from the King James Bible, it reads, I do not pray for those alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us. Now, I am not pulling a single scripture out of its context. There are three men in Scripture that will back this. The first man is Peter. Peter writes that we have been reborn by the Word of God so that we might be partakers of the divine nature. In the easy-to-read version of the Bible, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it reads, You have been born again. This new life did not come from something that dies. It came from something that cannot die. You were born again through God's life-giving message that lasts forever. Let's take a look at another verse from the Bible of God's Word. It's in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4. That reads, Through His glory and integrity, He has given us His promises that are of the highest value. Though these promises you will share in the divine nature because you have escaped the corruption that sinful desires cause in the world. Now the word nature means the intimate or essential qualities or the character of a person. 
And Peter is saying that in God's eyes, you have the same divine nature as the Messiah. The second man is John. John 1.16 reads, Of his fullness we have all received. Look at the word fullness. We've received the fullness of Messiah's essential qualities or spiritual makeup. Now, 1 John 4, verse 17 reads, As Yeshua is, so are we in this world. Now, John is not writing about us in the next life. He's writing in the present tense, right now. We have a third man. That man is Paul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15, it reads, Do you not know that your bodies are members of the Messiah? And in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 17, it reads, Now all of you together are the Messiah's body, and each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. What these verses are saying is we are the Messiah's body, and each one of us is a vital body part. Yeshua is the head, and we are the body. It's that simple. You are one being, one person. Now, if you saw my head, you would refer to it as run. And if my head was concealed but you only saw my body, you would still refer to it as run. My head and body are one. But Paul is placing our bodies as part of the body members of the Messiah. Now, what does these three men tell us? If we are in the Messiah, then we must know the Messiah's authority. And that will be discussed in our next podcast. Shalom. Until the next podcast. If this teaching has been a blessing to you, you might consider subscribing to the Anchor Podcast platform and to our Life Ministries website. You can do this at www.torlifeministry.com. Until then, Ron has left the building.